Hey everybody, this is Alex. Hey, it's Natasha. And we are here to talk just for a second about Extra Crunch TechCrunch's subscription product. Extra Crunch is where a lot of our best analysis and follow-up stories lives. We focus a lot on startups, building, and even poke fun here and there. It's true. I also write a daily column called The Exchange that's over on Extra Crunch. And the good news is, if you don't have EC access yet, we have a deal for you. Yes, you can use, I think, the best code there is. So don't tell anyone who doesn't listen to Equity because they're not invited. The code is equity, all caps, for 50% off your Extra Crunch subscription. So head over to techcrunch.com slash subscribe. Use that code. Make us look good internally. We say thanks across the internet. And now let's do a show. Hello, this is Alex, and you are listening to Equity Monday for January 4th, 2020, our show that kicks off your week with a look at what's going on in the world of technology, startups, and markets. Welcome to the new year. I hope that you are well and safe and as happy as can be. And of course, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, 2021 will wind up being a much nicer year than 2020. But instead of boring you with some long-winded intro speech about this or that, let's just get into it. Over the weekend, well, over the weekend, Tesla reported that it delivered, and I quote, 499,550 cars in 2020. That is just a hair under its 500,000 car goal, but still honestly a pretty impressive effort in the mind of investors who bid Tesla shares up a couple of points this morning after digesting the news. Notably, CNBC reports other electric vehicle companies are also seeing strong year-over-year growth in their auto deliveries, including China's NIO and Li Auto. Now, those two companies are much smaller than Tesla, but they still managed to deliver 44,000 and about 33,000 cars last year, respectively. Now, NIO's deliveries grew by more than 100% in the year, which is very impressive. And Li Auto managed its result really in its first year of delivering cars. So why do we care about all these numbers? Well, there's been a huge push to get electric vehicle startups public in a hurry, while the investing public remains bullish about the sector and Tesla's rising valuation provides a halo for its niche. Given that a number of EV companies are doing so well, we should expect to see that trend continue. This raises a question. You know, what do these numbers mean, though, for startups, for earlier stage EV companies? Are investors going to keep cutting checks to those younger companies in the space or have these kind of new incumbents managed to soak up all the money? We'll see. And then this weekend, Bitcoin kept rising until it didn't, but it mostly went up. Uh, it's down a little bit, but it's been up a lot lately. And I normally wouldn't bring all that up. But, you know, Coinbase an American cryptocurrency exchange, filed privately to go public as 2020 came to a close. And Bitcoin interest and trading volume tend to grow as the price of cryptocurrencies rise. So the recent Bitcoin boom is good news for Coinbase, which wants to go public, and smaller companies that hope to walk in its footsteps. And as you and I both know, there are a lot of crypto-focused startups. As 2021 kicks off, expect to hear a lot about crypto, and uh, that's either good news or not depending on your personal asset allocation. Turning to this morning, north of 200 Google and Alphabet workers are seeking to form a union that will represent both regular employees and, critically, contractors. The news matters as Alphabet has historically set labor and cultural trends for much of Silicon Valley and the global technology industry more broadly. How Alphabet and its subsidiary Google manage the matter remains to be seen. This is kind of breaking, but the news really does matter. Why? Well, 
If it kickstarts a broader push to unionize more workplaces, startups of any size might find themselves not immune to a more active and collective working population. That could shake things up. And also out this morning, as I talked to you from the snowy Providence, reports have come out indicating that Didi, the Chinese ride-hailing giant that Uber famously sparred with back in the day, will go public in 2021. Now, these reports, to be fair, are a little bit nascent, but the news is very important. More than that as it develops, but of course, it's going to be a very busy year for IPOs. All right, let's flip the script and go over to a couple of funding rounds. We do have just two this morning, and both are pretty large, frankly. Now, I know we try to have earlier stage rounds on the show, but we don't this time because there weren't any. Early stage companies have not announced new rounds for a little bit of time, which is not a huge shock as smaller companies want to make the biggest splash with their funding news, and everyone's been offline stuffing their face for the last couple of weeks, so expect more of that in the next couple of days. But today, two big ones. Up first, Bangalore-based Cred has raised $81 million in a Series C led by DST Global, and according to our own reporting, existing investors Sequoia Capital, Ribbit Capital, Tiger Global, and General Catalyst also took part in the financing event that values the company at just over $800 million, so just almost a unicorn. What does Cred do? Well, according to our own Manish Singh, the startup, quote, operates an eponymous app to reward customers for paying their credit card bill on time and offers deals from interesting online brands. Now, that project has accreted some 5.9 million customers to date, impressive, which is about 20% of Indian credit card holders, also impressive. And from a couple of days back, Disco has raised $40 million in debt from Comerica, a bank once again best known in my mind for landing in some Drake lyrics. Finn SMES reports that the new money completes a $100 million Q4 round for the Austin-based firm, now valued at $785 million, though I'm not sure that's a pre- or post-money number. So what does Disco do? Well, and prepared to be very, very bored, it does legal tech, or software for the legal industries. Yep, it's vertical SaaS, a niche that keeps raising money as there are more verticals into which software might fit, and there's more money to chase those ideas. So expect more of this in 2021. All right, so turning to our deeper dive this morning, I have a couple of questions for the year, things that I'm curious about. I thought I'd share them with you as we all kind of sit down to get started once again into a brand new anim. So here's what's on my mind. Seed. Now, TechCrunch reported on Seed's surprising pandemic strength as 2020 came to a close, and I'll link to that in the episode article if you want to find it, which could mean that the earliest stage startups could have another strong year as the same conditions that were alive in Q4 are still here in Q1. But if Seed's strength was a surprise, perhaps the stage was another one in store for us in the new year. Cadence. Well, VCs spent Q3 and Q4 making passive-aggressive tweets about how quickly other VCs were making investment decisions. Gone are the days when startups had to woo VCs. Today, VCs woo startups and work to preempt their rivals to get into deals more quickly. My question is, how long does this historically heated period last? And in a related query, what could change the dynamic? Valuations. Now, this is a related question, but how long can startup valuations remain so stretched? VCs are putting more money to work earlier in many software companies than before. For example, based on more of the size of their market than their current revenues. That's one way to do it, but it won't last forever. So again, how long does this situation last and what could change it? IPO pace. On the IPO front, we're expecting to see a Q1 rush, a smattering of Q2 offerings, and then a boom in Q3 and Q4. Will that happen? That's what smart people think, and they've told me. We'll see. And what does the return to work look like for startups and startup products? Now, startups probably won't suffer too much in their return to working in the same space when that's safe, but 
how young tech companies manage to convince all their workers to, you know, show back up fully clothed and on time after working from their homes for so long will be fun to see. But I'm more curious about startup products. You know, the stuff that sold really well last year. What percent of that growth sticks around? What happens to churn? My gut says the impacts will be minor so long as the economy holds up. But who really wants to claim to know the future after 2020? And with that, we've gone on for far too long. Hugs from the Equity crew. Rest in peace, Alexi Leho, and hugs to the whole children of Bowdoin family. Rock on. Equity is back Thursday, but if you can't wait, you can follow the show at EquityPod on Twitter if that's your jam. Stay safe. 